Hello, hello, hello. This is Edna White, and you are on Wounded to Wonderful. Thank you for being here. We're so excited that you're here today, and I'm excited to be here, as you can tell, right? So I just want to introduce our guest today that we're so honored to have, and I think she's on her time zone because she's really given us some good, good, good stuff because I, she said nine o'clock. So I'm thinking of the other side of the world when it's like really four over here, even though it looks like nine. <laughs> but I would like to introduce none other than Victoria Wilson Crane from the UK, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm so glad you're here. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to be yeah, here. Yeah, great. She's an author and a speaker. So how do you show up in the world as an author and a speaker over there in the UK. Yeah, thank you. Um, so as, as an author, um, I've written a book recently, uh, which is called 16 Days. And <laughs> really it was, um, it started as part of just a writing exercise because um, my niece, uh, who was only 22, died quite suddenly and unexpectedly. And writing <laughs> was a really good way that I could um start to process what what had happened really and get things out of my system and quite soon after starting to write I realized that maybe people might be interested in hearing the story so mm -hmm. um it formed into into a short book so I now have um yeah my book has been, been out there since January this year and I've had some really really pleasant feedback and really welcome feedback from people saying it's actually helping them understand how to be in in what can be a strange situation where you are very close to the person that's died but you're also maybe supporting other people who in your eyes are actually closer to the why well, was in the epicenter of grief than than perhaps you are so right. I had um you know my, my niece's parents and she had four parents she had a, two brothers uh, grandparents and I had this perception that if you if you kind of picture a um, an archery target or a dartboard, um, mm -hmm. I wasn't at the wasn't completely at the centre, but mm -hmm. I was somewhere in one of those kind of outer rings of 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 grief. And right. I found that a useful way to help me understand my position as being both the supporter and the supported. Okay. So how would you, if you're talking about that ring, that the bullseye ring, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you know how we always talk about the steps of grief, you know, with the, all the steps. Um, is on that bullseye, because I, I like that, that, that concept, um, on that bullseye, is any of that there? Or how can you make it, you know, can you put it a little plainer so that we can yeah. like really see? Definitely. Do, do you mean the stages of grief that were yes. talked about by Elizabeth yes. Ross? Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I'd actually challenge that. I, I, from what I understand, um, the work that Elizabeth Kubler Ross did was more based around um, people's um, acceptance of a terminal diagnosis rather than grief. Okay. And okay. my understanding is that over time that was a little bit bent out of shape and was taken right. to be about grief. And okay. then this kind of understanding that people grieve in a very linear fashion. Right. Maybe your listeners, and, and I would certainly challenge that, that I don't think grief is linear. 
Yeah, no, neither do I. That's why I asked because I, when my, my brother passed away, I was angry. I, w- I wasn't sad. And I really was so connected to him that I knew he passed away and I wasn't even near him. Mm-hmm. I just knew it. So I, 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 I was mad. I was more angry and I was like, wait a minute, am I doing, doing it wrong? Because, you know, you, you go to those classes and that, you know, and the, 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 um, the, um, what you were just talking about, that's how they teach you. It's like, okay, you have this step, this step, this is how it goes. And I'm like, I am way down to number five already. Like, what, <laughs> how do I even get, get to five? But like you said, it's, it's really, everybody's experiences it differently and, and but you're still all of us, right? We all experience it, those those emotions, but it could be yeah. different. I, I think all those stages are all really valid, but I would yeah. challenge that people experience them in a linear fashion and certainly right. experience them in the same linear fashion. Because right. for me, grief has been much more messy. And even on a, <laughs> on a given day, I, I yeah, it's really messy. It, I like and, that. And all those things. Like yeah. That. So I, I actually think um, as much as I really value um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's work, um, yeah. I, I think it has been a little bit taken out of context, which right. essentially has put people under quite a lot of pressure to be yeah. in a certain way. Um, mm-hmm. And my understanding is that grief is, is much more personal and yeah. um, we, we should never feel under that pressure of, well, what stage are you at today or where are you feeling sure. today? It's sure. Yeah. yeah, I like I like your saying grief is messy. Mm-hmm. It is messy. <laughs> and and it's all valid. That's yeah. important to say. Grief is messy and it's all valid. Yeah. How um, in your work around your niece um, and writing this book, um, can you share with us the expressions of, of loss? Like how can you share the most important parts of your book with us about loss? Yeah, certainly. I, I think um, the subtitle of the book is um, A Sudden Death, What to Say. And I mm-hmm. think one of the most abiding memories is that people generally said to me, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And I've certainly felt in that situation when I've been um, facing people who've um, experienced a death. I've been in that situation when I've had colleagues that have told me news that I've thought, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And and you you desperately don't want to do the wrong thing. Yeah, you don't want to say the wrong thing. Exactly, you don't say the wrong thing. But actually, some of the things I've come to learn are that what's been most helpful to me is when at least someone says something mm-hmm. and tries and makes an effort because what can feel most hurtful and it's never intended to be hurtful but what can feel most hurtful is when people just ignore what has happened when this yeah yeah thing yeah. of a complete Not yeah, yeah, yeah massive magnitude has happened to you and if somebody yeah. just doesn't mention it or yeah. um glosses over it or yeah. And, and all from, from their, their kind of experience of, I, I really don't know what to say for the, for the best, but it's certainly- Yeah, it is the best. It really is the best. And a, and a quick hug or a handshake, however it goes, you know, um, know. it's really a- I know. Really I've, I've, got, I've got somebody, I've got a work colleague who just regularly texts me and just says, how are you? And I know mm-hmm. exactly what that question means. And it's, it's not, how's work going today? Or it's not, how's that project going? It's, it's yeah. how are you feeling because of Mary Lou, because she's not here anymore. Um, yeah. 
and that's really really helpful so yeah. I, I think one of the, the really strong messages in in my writing and in my work has been around helping people to know or to to feel a bit more comfortable about what to say and what to do yeah and again I don't think there's universal truths I don't think that everything works for everybody but there are mm. some some things that I think are probably quite gentle that any yeah. of your listeners could do um mm-hmm. One of the things I, I quite often um, now say is, would you like to tell me a little bit about what happened? Mm-hmm. That kind of okay. opens the door. Yeah, it opens that the door, yeah. Crying. That isn't saying, yeah. tell me everything that <laughs> happened. Yeah. <laughs> that, that isn't, um, I want to know your everything, in most secrets. Yeah, right, right. Or what happened? You know, like, what happened? What happened? It's, and it's nice to just say, would you like to share what happened? Yeah. Uh, would you like to tell me a little bit about what happened? That's that's much better than, hey, what happened? Yeah, yeah exactly. Because your inner mind wants to say, what on earth went on there then? Yeah, what, exactly. It really does. It really does. So that, that can be quite helpful. And yeah. and also, I think my, my other stock phrase is, um, I, uh, pick your time of day, but how are you this morning? Or how are you this yeah. morning? Or how are right, you right. Is the yeah. question of, how are you? Yeah, it's so inviting. Yeah. 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 It's so inviting. You? It's so inviting, especially around loss, you know, especially around loss. One thing I, um, when I lost my brother, um, this is how it felt for me. And I, I keep this in mind when I'm talking to anybody. It felt like a piece of my world. So like, you know how there's all the planets are aligned and all that. Um, it felt like that. It felt like one of the planets had just blew up and was missing. So whether they provided shade or sun, it wasn't there anymore. Yeah. And that is so it was it was like, wow, this this whole entity is not here. Mm-hmm. And now I don't have this entity. And now it affects my personal life. And more so my work life, you know, we tend to say, maybe you can give light with this. We tend to say we wear these hats, you know, so when we go to work, we're not the same person as we are personally at home. How does loss affect your workplace setting, you know? Mm -hmm. Really interesting question. Um, My niece actually worked with us. Um, Oh, she was a um, she was a student when she when she died, and she helped um, our team just in the in the holidays. She did a little bit of admin work and stuff like that. Right. So there's there's actually a, a, a strange chapter in the book which talks about my communication of um, what had happened, and, and one of the one of the bits of communication is around telling my work colleagues, which possibly sounds a little bit odd. Why why would you go out of your way to tell your colleagues that your niece has died? Um, mm-hmm. But actually, she was their work colleague. She was someone who wow. she probably spent more time with some of them than I spent with them over the mm-hmm. last year. Um, and it, it was really important. And um, at the time, it was um, it was it was 20, early 2020 when when Mary Lou died, and it was just before COVID. And as a team, though, we, we weren't all co-located, so we were very used to using Skype or Zoom to to meet. And mm-hmm. it was suggested that I might I might get the team together on Zoom. And I just said, actually, I'm I'm not far from the team. Perhaps I'll just get them together in person. And I'm 
I'm relieved that I did that. I've never actually asked them what their reaction was to that, but it was such a relief to be able to tell them myself because I think one of the challenges is when you see people for the first time after something like that and people don't know Mm -hmm. what to say, at least I kind of done that and I'd done that for myself. So I'd had that opportunity. And and as I say, I'm, I'm, I'm curious actually, and I might ask them what their reaction was to that because right. for me that was important and for me that was helpful I'm not sure how helpful that was for them <laughs> but it was useful for me because um, yeah, yeah. actually it meant that from a work point of view at least my immediate colleagues knew about it and and then a, a very nice thing that my company did um, when the book was released earlier on this year they bought a number of copies and they said would you like to give them to, to members of staff so I said, well, why don't we use it as an opportunity to ask our staff what, what they would find helpful for staff who are grieving? And we, we ended up having, um, I think we had over 80 responses from staff who gave suggestions wow. as to what could be helpful. And some of them were, were some of the things you might expect. And some of the things were a little bit unusual. That's have- really good. Really good. Really good. That, that was really helpful. Yeah, Absolutely. You talk about, um, you know, um, not knowing what to say, and 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 communication is affected when you when you have loss, and and you know um, any type of loss, but those unexpected losses, you seem to have more, you know, um, less to say because you don't, you're still take taken aback by it as well, and I like what you said about. Um, you know, you were able to go in and, and, and say something about it to your coworkers. Um, but how, how is it, a, how can you get around or how can you, um, I guess, um, navigate being able to communicate during mm-hmm. loss? Yeah, very difficult. Um, I, I think from, from my point of view, and I can only really speak from my experience, it was, mm-hmm. um, it was talking about it and I think um, because we're from quite a close family and quite a small family but with with quite a lot of friends in the in the local community and one of the things I did quite early on was um, support my mum who had to tell her friends that her granddaughter had had died Mm -hmm. and I think in the just in the telling and the retelling and the explaining and the describing and talking to different people that was it was one way that it helped make it feel real. Um, mm-hmm. In the very, very, very early days right. of what happened. Um, mm-hmm. But I actually think that's kind of extrapolated to even talking to you now, because I still need to tell that story. I yeah. still, need, still need to explain what's happened. I still need to tell people the impact that it's had upon me. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think I would... I would encourage people to, um, and we don't talk about death and dying. I don't think in our in our in our times in the way that we ought we ought to. Um, yeah. We talk about other milestones in life with much greater ease yeah. than we do about death. And uh, I just think it's because there's so much uncertainty around um, it. Yeah, yeah there know, is, and, and I think people yeah. think if we talk about it, we're going to make it happen. Which right. Right. I don't believe we well, have it's just happen. like when you talk about money. Oh, if you talk about money and, and, and you know, you, it's gonna, you're going to make it, you, you're not going to have any, you know? 
because there's so much uncertainty around. And I think that's one of the mysteries that we have to, you know, um, you know, glean from with your loss and my loss is glean from the fact of what they lived, you know, because we can't bank on when they're on the other side. We don't know if there's another side. We don't know anything, you know, but, you know, gleaning from the good portions of their life, life to kind of make loss um, feel, feel like you said, um, real, you know? Yeah. And I think at my brother's funeral, um, he, he died um, right after his graduation Goodness. Um, as, as a swimming accident. And um, he, you know, he was at the graduation party, was supposed to go to the Marines the next day, you know, signed up everything that, and, and, and he didn't make it. Um, and I think hearing, I didn't know he had so many friends, you know, my, me and my brother were really close, but I didn't know they felt the way they felt about him. And when I say that they, when they came and told us this one, and, and I remember this guy so distinctly, he was an, a man that was like in the streets, you know, he was a um, vagabond and he would be walking around and he had his scruffy beard. He came into the, and he said, I would like to say something. I said, sure, you know, and he went up and he said, I want to thank, my brother was named Sylvester. He said, I want to thank him. He always gave me his lunch. He would ride his bike to school and see me and he would give me his lunch. Oh, wow. And my mom would always say, why are you, when you come home, you're always eating up, making all these sandwiches and eating. We never knew well, he was every there. day of his high school you know, time, 11th and 12th grade, he saw this man and gave him his lunch oh, wow. every day. And I think that made me so much more proud of him. And I was able to really like, it almost created a silhouette of him that mm-hmm. I could just like really grab and say, oh, that yeah. was my last hug, you know, like I, it gave me peace. And I was able to, cause I was angry for a long while with everybody. Mm-hmm. I was mad with everybody. Yeah. You know, that's my best bud, I'm mad with everyone. And, um, and I was even mad with myself and I, I could have stopped him and had all these things going through me. But I think holding on to those magnificent pieces gives you another chance to just to keep yeah. hugging and hugging them and, and give them, you know, and making them more part of your life, the living part. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Definitely. I think if, if any of your listeners are thinking about how they can support people who are grieving, um, yes, we, we, we love it when people tell those stories, yeah. um, particularly when those stories are things that you've never heard before. Um, right. <laughs> It's, it's really cute and really, really nice. And it, it's, it's a little bit sad because you think, oh, wait, I wish I'd known that at the time. But it can right. be really warm and comforting. Like you say, it can be like a hug when someone yeah. tells me you didn't know about this person who you thought you knew really well. If yeah. there's other sides to them that you'd never seen, um, yeah. that can be so nice. So I, I, would, yeah. I would urge your listeners to not hold those things back yeah. and to share them if you get the chance. Yeah. And how did you? How did the, her loss impact you um, personally? Mm-hmm. And how did you kind of uh, you know move it forward yeah. to kind of get to this place with this new book here? Yeah, I mean, I think um, because I, I did feel like I was on that sort of slightly outer circle. Um, mm-hmm. I spent quite a lot of the very early days 
doing my best, whether it was effective or not, but doing my best to try and support those a bit closer. Yeah. And it, it kind of occurred to me a, a couple of months later that I'm not really dealing with this very well, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did a lot of reading and um, a lot of research. And I um, found the, uh, the grief recovery method, which is um, based on, it, it's, it's the only evidence-based method that can help people through, through grief. Um, it's okay. been around 30 years. Okay. you can do it yourself and there's a there's a there's a book and you can take yourself through it or you can work with a um with a consultant who can who can kind of support you with that and I, yeah. I, I did it myself but then I did the training so I can help other people that's um, wonderful which has been really helpful and yeah. listening to other people's stories um kind of puts your situation in perspective sometimes and helps you reflect mm-hmm. where you are so yeah. I, I think the kind of typical academic that I am I wanted to learn lots about it and I wanted to learn about myself and learn what was out there and that's what drove me I think to looking for for grief recovery um I think in the sense of recovery some people have a bit of a struggle with that word because what we're not saying is okay so you're fixed then and suddenly everything is is right you know yeah all I kind of promise is that you'll feel better than you did before yeah kind of work yeah yeah Uh, and that helped me and I I certainly feel better than I did I'm not sure I'll ever be the same again sure absolutely not absolutely not it's going to be different it's like like I said it's your world you you got a kingdom you know we are all kingdoms and, and we 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 have worlds within us and all of a sudden the world is missing out of the world that you know it's yeah. it's devastating it's devastating yeah. Could you imagine missing part of the U.S. or part of the U.K.? It just, just oh, gone. Gone. Right? Exactly. It's just gone. That's that's tragic. That is really tragic. Yeah, and I think with with a young loss as well, there's there's quite a lot of um, a loss of hopes and dreams. Yeah, I kind of fancied that she might support me in my old age, or yeah. you know, she might be around to. And that that's all gone as well. Um, yeah. So sort of images of where she might have taken her life. Um, yeah. yeah, it's gone. Um, yeah. And maybe that's a bit the same with, with your brother. That it's just that the loss of what you. It's not just the loss of what you had. It's the loss of what was still to come. Yeah, it's still to come. Exactly. The yeah. loss. That's the part. It's I had those memories and I had those stories that people told me what he did that I didn't know parts of. And I kind of put that together. But what was really missing was now he can't be an uncle to his three uh, nephew nieces. Now he can't be an uncle to my sister's children. Now I can't see him walk up the aisle and get married. Now I can't, he can't be part of my wedding. Now he can't be part of anybody's, you know, now I'm thinking about that. Now I won't see him in the Marines, you know, graduating from this level to that, that level. So yeah, it's the loss of the dreams, the hopes and dreams. Definitely. It really is. You're making it so very clear. And I know that Wounded to Wonderful's um, audience is really, this is really something that we need to talk about. It's, and I like this, that loss, a, a death or a loss is, 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 is really the loss of all the dream, hopes and dreams mm-hmm. that you had with that person. Yeah. That, that's really what it is. You made it so very clear for me, Victoria. Mm-hmm. And it, it's very mm-hmm. clear. That was really good. I like that. Very clear. And I think that gives me a little bit more like 
like that. Mm-hmm. If you, if they, it's like a, a load off. Like it, okay, now again, because I I think about him all the time, and um, I kept saying, why am I not getting over this? There it is. The loss is of the hopes and dreams that he could be around for her, now his great niece and nephews, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's yes. helped you understand your little world a little bit better then. That's 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 really comforting and, and maybe for your audience as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what is it one thing you could tell us um, either from your book or from your experience with loss uh, or share with us um, that would enrich us even more. Yeah, I think um, it's just that underlying thing about talking about death and dying a little bit more, um, mm-hmm. and try and not be so try and not be fearful of talking about it because, right. as I said, I I don't think anyway in my belief system you you can bring it on. I also mm-hmm. don't think necessarily stop it from happening. Oh sure, but we're all going to face it, um, whether that's our own mortality or whether that's the mortality mm. of important people that are around us so I would just encourage people to to start to try and engage with it and, and what that means um, it can be so helpful if people have discussed um, their final wishes right because what they would like to happen um, it was certainly helpful and surprising to us that my niece of only 22 years had, had discussed what her funeral might be like um, mm-hmm. it was great that she'd she'd actually she'd badgered us into being organ donors because at the time in the UK yeah. you had to opt in it's actually an opt-out system now but you mm-hmm. had to opt in at that time and it was very reassuring to know her wishes around that so again if you can have any of those conversations with your loved ones yeah. um, does make this kind of situation um, slightly easier I wouldn't say easier because it's very difficult but it does mm-hmm. just slightly if you know some of those things because one thing I didn't understand until um, having been part of organizing a funeral um, you've got an awful lot of decisions to make in quite a short period of time Mm -hmm. at a time when your head is not really in the right frame of mind to be making decisions so if, if you know some of that stuff ahead of time that can really really help and I think it's not morbid it's not going to bring it on but it is those that are left behind yeah. I know that when um I guess my brother didn't even realize it, but we had we always talked about that, you know. Um we always talked about how he wanted what he wanted his funeral to look like, what he wanted to be wearing, you know. <laughs> and he always used to sneaker guy. He was like, give me a tuxedo with Adidas sneakers on, you know, something like that. You know, he made a joke of it. And you know, and he said, you know, he always liked his hair cut short and he says, I don't want a lot of going on and carrying on. I don't want all that. He said, I just want to, you know, good people saying, you know, good things about me. And then he's like, I'm already gone. I'm out of there. You know, and this is, he's like, I'm out of there. I got, you know, I just need a crown. You know, and all these people talking about me, just push my crown on. I can go like leaf fry. You know, so he says, tell me, I can go flying. He's like, and he used to have this gold necklace with a cross on it. And he gave it to me actually. And he says, um, yeah, this, this, I won't need this because I'll have my name. My name will have like all these, like his name, he used to call himself Sly. So he have his name in all gold. He said it'll be all gold and real rubies. And so he said, be real rubies. Real rubies. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he used to always say those things. And we used to crack up laughing, you know. And, um, you know, and I was like, you don't want a, a horse, uh, you know, a horse and carriage. He's like, nah. He's like, no, nah, I don't like these streets over here. I just rather just like, you know, something nice and simple. 
And then he's like, you know, and then just put me out into the water. Just let me float on out into the water. And I was like, wow. I was like, okay. And we did just that. So it was, it was wonderful, you know, and when I kind of got to my senses after the, the, you know, and I was like, he told me what he wanted. Mm -hmm. And I was like, told you? I was like, yeah. And so she did exactly what he wished and, you know, and he was also an organ, an organ donor as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that can be such a, um, such a, a, a relief and a, um, oh, yeah. a, a really oh, yeah. kind thing to do. And yeah, yeah, that's really good. Yeah. And I, I always look around like I, I'm, a, I'm a voyeurist, but a nice one, not one peeping, no peeping Tom. But I like to sit in the park and just see people going by. And, and I remember sitting after maybe about two months after he passed away. And because um, they had taken I think they took his liver, some other part. I, I know they, they contacted about the liver or something and contacted my mom. So um, I was looking around. I wonder who has his liver. I wonder, you know, and everybody that was smiling at me, oh, that person's, you know, I would make myself a, yeah, he's, that that person's got my brother's liver, you know, and then I would see people that resembled him, I was like, I wonder uh, if he's, you know, and I would always, like, just sit there and, like, crack up laughing at myself, of course, <laughs> and, and, and just imagine those things, but that kind of made my, now looking at it, made my, the, the dreams kind of come, yeah. like, fruition from me on my side yeah. like I know that somebody has his organs you know and somebody is walking down the aisle mm. with their great niece or great nephew or me you know and they're, they're at the wedding or they're you know at the party you know they're alive and that kind of made me feel good about that yeah you know? that's, that's really comforting really comforting yeah 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 that's really good stuff so Victoria, we really thank you for being on our show. I'm sure we're going to have you back because we really want to want you to read some of this and get some real, um, you know, questions from the audience. But we're going to do something on loss together, and you will be back um, for our audience um, in the very near future. Um, but right now, this is the end of the show. How can my audience find you? Ask you a couple of questions. Buy your book and stay connected with you. Sure, I'd, I'd love to hear from anybody and, and everybody who wishes to talk about this. Um, as I say, I don't think we talk about this enough. So um, you can quite easily find me on LinkedIn um, with the name Victoria Wilson Crane. It's, uh, it's not that common, so you can find me on there. Um, the book's available on Amazon, so you'll easily find it on there. And it's both in um, hard copy and in an ebook format. <clears throat> and if you've got show notes or something, I can share my website with you. It's drvictoriawilsoncrane.co.uk. Um, you can find all links to, to my book, both my grief work and the book there. Wonderful. And audience, we will have the um, all of her information on the bottom of this video for you to take a look at. Um, it'll be available in the, um, the credits available for you in that. So we really thank you, Victoria, for being our guest today. And Audience, please look for her book, 16 Days. This is Edna White and my esteemed guest, Victoria Wilson Crane. We're saying goodbye for now. Thank you.